watch a video. Really? What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? How's it going, horror hounds? And welcome to the It Slays podcast. This is episode three now. Three, I was going to say two. I guess two formal reviews, but three in total. And, uh, yeah, so we are talking about The Invitation this evening. And, as always, we'll start by saying, if you haven't watched The Invitation, please go watch it before you listen to this, because we spoil the shit out of everything. No regrets. Yeah, hashtag no regrets. Uh, I am Rowan. Hey, it's Exilia. This is Mike. We are your co-hosts for this evening. <laughs> Exilia likes that because we—I don't remember why—but we had a we had a conversation that I always say I'm the host. Yeah, and I said, "What and about we're, me?" Yeah, Mike? we're we're all co-hosts. Yeah. That's how I mean it. So, yeah, anybody sure. thinks I, I'm not—you know—I'm not a Stalin. I'm not running this ship. That we time. all know who's in the driver's seat. <laughs> It's Exilia. Yeah, I pull the strings. So, yeah, uh, I figure we'll get right into it. Anything else we'll talk about at the end, general housekeeping. Uh, So, let's talk about some quick facts. Exilia, why don't you tell us who directed this lovely movie? Karen Purisama? Why are you asking me? I just thought maybe you would want to... <laughs> Mike has more of a good information about her. Mike, why don't do. you talk about what would we be familiar with? Um, okay, first of all, Girl Fight, um, starring Queen Michelle Rodriguez, although she's problematic queen now, so let's just maybe gloss over that. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a whole other podcast. Um, but also, two of my... Um, one of which is sort of like a hidden gem fave, and it's also like a guilty pleasure. Um, Eon Flux, the adaptation of the brilliant MTV, like, visionary um, cartoon from the 90s, um, starring Queen Charlize, who is not problematic that I know of. And, of course, cult classic Jennifer's Body yeah. with, you know, our girls, Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox, who does not get the credit she deserves for that movie. She's so good in it. We might have but to anyway, review that. Yeah, we definitely do, but I mean, we don't want to delve too deep into that because, you know, the politics of Megan Fox is like, again, a whole, <laughs> it's a whole podcast in itself and, and I won't bore people with that. And she also did a segment of the XX anthology that came out two years ago, I believe. It was a year ago, two years ago, of all women horror directors that also featured an amazing segment from St. Vincent. Uh, She did a segment that was incredible. Uh, And this uh, was co-written by her husband, Phil Hay, uh, who's written the... uh, Oscar award-winning films such as Clash of the Titans, R.I.P.D., 
uh, ride-along, and uh, what will probably go down in history is one of the most important movies of our time, ride-along 2. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag amen. <laughs> hashtag amen. And just to start, uh, leave off, I always talk about the budget. So the budget was $1 million for this film. It was a very low-budget film. If you said $0, I would have believed it. Which is not a slag (laughs) on the movie. I love it. It was, but it was, it was very, um, you, you, they were clearly, uh, pulling the budget like taffy, and, uh, I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) And it made $354,835. I had a very limited release and then went straight to VOD and Netflix and such. That was like all of their friends just going to the theater the one week it was in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone, please come see this. Again, so, not a slag. It was great. <laughs> that's right. I wish I had that many friends. <laughs> we wish we had friends that would give us all that money. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's just uh, get into it. Mike, why don't you start off and... Your um, thoughts on the beginning? Well, I mean, you know, well, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> I <laughs> I quite enjoyed the um, opening scene, even though, again, like the rest of the movie, um, or, well, like you know, 85% of the movie, it was a real slow burn, um, but I loved the, like, cold open of it. I loved um, that it sort of, you know, of course, played with, like, that trope of, um, like, a car with, you know, a couple driving down this, like, lonely road, and, um, I had never seen it before when we watched this for the first time for the podcast, so I didn't know if it was, like, something that was going to take place, like, out in the woods somewhere, so when they were driving down this road, it's just, like, you get, like, this empty road and trees and stuff like that, I just assumed that it was going to be, like, a wrong turn, Ted's just changed a massacre, um, that sort of thing, but, um, as we find out, it is not, it's in the Hollywood Hills, uh, but I just really thought that that was, um, such a great way to open it, because, you know, it, it primes you, like, if you're a horror fan and you see this, like, your your neurons are firing you're already going like okay is this gonna be cannibals like what is it is you know they're gonna be glass on the road or nails or something like what's gonna happen so i just thought that was great i thought it was a, a nicely done um opening yeah and they uh and like i guess we can get right into it the fact that so pretty much right in the open uh they hit a coyote and and i know as an intro when I first saw it, not really knowing what it was, uh, you know, to me, that was, like, it, it was cool that they started off, like, right away with, like, something happening, like, because they're kind of having this, like, they're looking at each other. I think they're having a conversation, aren't they? I can't remember if they're just looking at each other, but they're just kind of driving, and then all of a sudden, like, something happens, and boom, you know they hit something, and I like that we start we start kind of playing with the themes of the movie almost immediately, so uh, we can kind of see what this movie's going to be like, kind of the tone. I think it just sets the tone. Yeah, the whole coyote thing, that's kind of my worst nightmare, is to like hit an animal <clears throat> while I'm driving, and then... I don't have a license, but for Rowan to hit an animal <laughs> while he's driving and me be in the car and then it not die. And then you have to like, you know, someone has to go kill it because 
this was my whole thing. What do you do in that situation? Uh, in between the time we lived from Newfoundland to Toronto, we stayed with Rowan's parents in like a very, very, very rural place. And there was this road that was about a half hour stretch from like the closest town um, to their house. And every night we would, any night we would go down it. There's like pheasants, porcupines, there was a dog one time, raccoons, everything. And we almost hit a porcupine and I like freaked and made Rowan drive about 30 down this road forever. And I'm like so tense and like anxiety ridden about not hitting anything. And um, so we lived there for two months and got away with not hitting anything. And then the night that his dad drove us to the airport to move to Toronto literally 20 seconds before we get off this highway we fucking hit a porcupine and kill it and it was just like traumatic i just like i can't and his whole family all summer made fun of me (laughs) about like roadkill and stuff so like this already the beginning of it just is traumatic for me (laughs) yeah and i uh like we said, we we really like. I really like the intro. Uh, the only real qualms I had with it was uh, kind of after that when we're doing the the credits. Um, I didn't like the shot of the trees yeah. that was like real kind of staticky, blurry. Blurry. I also felt the title card when that comes on. Like so, they had the invitation. I, I felt you could kind of see the budget there because it just didn't look properly blended. Yeah, the, okay, I agree with the blurriness and I just think that's such a random, like it's in the daytime, the sky is blue and the th- whole movie set at night. So I just think that's random. But the title card, I was actually reading like that is an imitation of a movie from the 70s. I can't something all something men. I can't remember. So maybe that's why it looks a bit more low budget. Yeah, perhaps. So uh yeah, we so we get up to uh they drive up to this house. My first thought was immediately uh you know, what the hell are these guys doing for work and where do I get friends like this that have beautiful houses like this? Oh, but it's uh, true LA fashion in that like you have this fucking gorgeous, um, beautifully architectured house and have no discerning day job. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Not I, even like I, an actor or something. Like, it's just, where the fuck is your money coming from? What are you doing for work? Yeah. Tell it, me, please. <laughs> it was absolutely, uh, gorgeous. Uh, kind of fun fact about that that I was reading was, uh, when you pull up and you see the house number. Uh, when we actually are confronted with the house number again, uh, it's actually a different house number because they used two different locations. Because I, I believe if I read right, they had a house, and then I think some of it was shot uh, like on like a Universal set or something. So they just they didn't. It was kind of an oversight. Which Universal I personally set? Loved. Are I you lo- sure you don't mean the? back parking lot of an Arby's? <laughs> I mean, it could be that as well. Okay, fair enough, fair. And I, I, like, me personally, like, little things like that, I love that in movies. Like, I'm all about when I watch a movie, I like to see, like, all the kind of things that because whenever I think about film, like, you think about, like, 
this perfection of a movie being made. And I, I like to know that people are, are normal and oversee things just like everyone else. So those kind of little things make me, make me smile. So we get into the party. We get into the house. They're kind of like the, uh, oh, we should introduce, what's the girl's name? I never remember the girlfriend's name. Kira. Kira. Kira and uh, Trey. <laughs> Will. Wh- Will. Yes, Will, we, Will. Will. He played His name Trey. Is not Trey. He played Trey in the OC. I saw Exilia when he came on screen, tear up a little I bit. I just found it so distracting, to be honest. I found him so distracting because all I could think about was the OC. And um, <laughs> for the record, for anybody listening, the three of your hosts are <laughs> massive fans of the OC and all the actors and the soundtrack and just uh, OC- and hashtag OC life. <laughs> he is yeah. the center of quite literally one of the most epic OC episodes mm. in the entire series. Yeah, and he has this long <laughs> hair, right? And he's a bit—he's a bit older now, and he has the scraggly in the yeah. beard. Yeah, yeah, it's just like I don't know. It's I find it—I find it distracting. I. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I had I had written down that he had the uh, the same facial hair as Martin from Knocked Up, so I, I found it distracting because I just thought about funny jokes from Knocked Up when they were making fun of his facial hair. Uh, but yeah, so they they enter this party, uh, and they're kind of the last ones to arrive. Everyone's there having a drink. Uh, Definitely the first thing I thought when they entered the party was that the music was not the best party music. It was a little somber for my taste. I I agree, and I loved the song, though. I'm the king of, like, putting, you know, depressing shit on at a party and just bringing everybody down to the ground. I can't actually remember at the moment what the music was, but I remember when I was watching it the second time when we were taking notes for this, and I was like, what are they listening to? It I can't remember if it was like some sort of weird like Italian opera or like something. I don't know. I can't remember, but I was just like, whoa. This is I believe strange. it was more, it was like folky, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, yeah, it kind of was. Like, I think it, it was like a singer-songwriter yeah, type sort of song. Fun, you know? It was like, had a weird vibe to it. I mean, I guess it kind of set the stage well. Like if Joni Mitchell took a benzo or something. <laughs> so yeah, I, we we get in this we get in this party, and this is where we're kind of introduced to our uh, motley crew of characters. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about who who is everyone's favorite character. Um. Okay, I'm not going to talk about my favorite character first. I want to say that I pooped my pants a little bit because. The hostess's, I don't know if it's her boyfriend or her husband. Anyway, he was played by that, like, I think he's like a Dutch actor um, from Game of Thrones and Orphan Black. And I just think he's spectacular and I love him. And, and Haunting of Hill House. Yes, and The Haunting of, of Hill which I haven't seen yet. Yes, so I keep... Uh, oh, yes, you have that's to right. watch But, but like, he is, he, is, he is great. Oh. He is, uh, he's a really, you know, like, charismatic, like, great actor. Um, you know, yeah. just... I think my favorite actor is... Is not necessarily someone I like the most, but I thought it was the most interesting character, and it was Pruitt for sure. He was by far the most interesting, aka Drew Carey's brother from the Drew Carey Show, <laughs> a- right. aka um, 
what's his name twisty the clown from american horror story (laughs) let's not forget like that was almost like a deep cut that was a a like fucking easter egg that i loved yeah Yeah, when you were saying that yeah like now that i know that that's him i can totally see it through the makeup and everything yeah he just looks like a fucking creeper (laughs) yeah until until you said that i did not know that he played twisty the clown yeah but i also i had a kind of a tie i loved pruitt um and like we said if you're listening to this you've watched the movie so you'll know we're kind of jumping ahead with pruitt but pruitt to me kind of just he stole the show the acting was great he's such a great character actor And and to me, it was kind of a tie between him and I really enjoyed, um, is it Sadie? Mm-hmm. I really oh, enjoyed Sadie. Sadie. Yes. I love that actress. Um, if you haven't seen it, she's from a very, very independent horror movie called Lace Crater. Really good movie. Really good movie that has like one, another one of my favorite soundtracks in a movie. If I was going to say, watch- you guys have been trying to get me to watch that for like three years, I want to say. At least. Let, let, really let cool. me lay out a quick premise. A, a girl goes to a cabin to drink with friends and has sex with a ghost who is like an emo front man um, of... Spoiler alert. Well, yeah. What, <laughs> spoil- Just in case if you ever Well, this is on the this is on the write-up. Yeah. She basically gets an STD from a ghost. <laughs> but then like the ghost... Is like the, the ghost should be the front man of an emo band because he's so emo and like the ghost is like a person essentially, but it's like a ghost in a burlap sock kind of thing. Like it's you just gotta. See you have it. to watch it to see. It's great. Um, the soundtrack is like almost entirely done. Is it Neon Baby? No. No. Neon Indian. Neon Indian. Oh, That's I love Neon called. Indian. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Neon nice. Indian. Uh, Lush synth pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah they exactly. do a lot. They do the main theme, and they do have a couple songs on the soundtrack. It's amazing. Anyway, I really enjoyed her character. I can't stand her because she reminds me of someone I know that is like that. And I just like, as I get older and like more non no nonsense, I actually cannot stand people like that. somebody that you want to just shake by the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, she's the she's she's the loose cannon of the group. She's the wild the wild. She's kind of like she's a, a hippie. Flower. She's a hippie, hippie but like, a flower child. She's yeah. so flighty. Like, uh, come back down to earth. I Get with know. the program, bitch. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So uh, we're introduced to kind of the cast, which we'll kind of all touch on. Um, so there was uh, there's Will. The, there's his girlfriend. I can never remember her name. Kira. 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 We uh we have Sadie, we have Pruitt, we have the boyfriend we talked about. There's Eden, who is like essentially the co-star of this movie, and that is his ex-wife. And uh yeah, I feel like we didn't really set the premise up that they are going to a dinner party at his ex-wife's at the house. ex-wife's house with friends slash his old house. his old house yes slash. Also, the guy who plays, what's his name? David lives there now. Yeah. So, yeah, I I quickly thought to myself, as I'm sure everyone does when they watch this, I'm like, would I be going to this dinner party? Uh, and I know my answer is probably not. I'm just thinking like, wow, this is going to be fucking awkward. 
Like, yeah, I mean, it's just right from the get-go. It's sort of one of those, like, yeah, in the 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 best possible outcome of that is that it's awkward and nothing happens. <laughs> like, that's yeah, the exactly. absolute best outcome of this dinner party. Yeah. And I'm trying to, re- I see, I'm, like I said, I'm terrible with names. So we have Miguel. Miguel is the a doctor. Or something or, like that. Yeah. He or, knows something. He knows he, about medical. He knows he's a clinician medical. of some sort. Yeah, yeah. And he's there with his boyfriend, who I can't remember his name. I don't remember his name. Me either. Uh, and then there's Ben. There's yeah. Ben, who is like the best friend. Claire. Claire. She's like, what, the professor? She, yes, yeah, she is a professor. The, yeah. She's a professor. Level-headed. Level-headed. Mike's best friend slash favorite character, Gina. Gina, I love Gina. <laughs> and Gina's kind of, I I think right away you can kind of tell Gina is like the, the ex-party kid. Oh yeah, right? I was going to say, she's low-key, like party girl, like, you know. Troy. Troy, fucking Troy. We we all, we immediately find out that Troy is always late and never shows up for these parties. Oddly enough, though, if you skip to the end, Troy's actually early and the first person there, but then forgets something and has to leave. So, <laughs> but that's a that's a, a large plot point is you know his absence. So <laughs> yeah, clearly he he had to forget something you know in order for the rest of the movie for the red herring to be set up because. He is the red herring for, like, two-thirds of the movie. Also, you guys were talking about how beautiful the house was. Of course, I have to uh, comment on the beautiful mid-century modern aesthetic. Oh, we love mid-century modern. It's Me too. I love it. Actually, I saw a house back home in uh, this place called Colebrook that is, like, a mid-century modern. And I was just like, oh, like, I could move there. It's in the middle of the woods, but that's fine. Um, and they had, like, that beautiful pattern that's repeated throughout uh, the house. So the, the lantern bars. that you see outside, the bars that cover the windows, there's a lampshade inside. There's several things. I just absolutely love the aesthetic. Um, Can I also just point out really quickly that... <laughs> By the way, this is the second time we are recording this episode. Um, yes. As usual, we had a big technical hiccup. We had a two-hour episode originally uh, recorded. But anyway, I thought that, <laughs> speaking of the bars on the window, which were absolutely gorgeous and I made a note about, I just thought that was a really cool, like, kind of subtle Easter egg to, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. And the whole, like, yeah. him wearing the, like, key, kind of like Nancy's mom in Nightmare on Elm Street and, like, locking everybody in. So, you know, sort of making a prison. I just thought that was really cool. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I did really like that as well. Mike and I are basically going to have an offshoot uh, podcast just about the design. Yes, architecture, um, architecture and, and horror sites. movies. Um, I'm actually yes. working on an essay, but we won't go there. <laughs> are you I, really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll drop it, you know, on one of our episodes. Okay. <laughs> one of our episodes will just be Mike reading an essay. <laughs> an audio essay. An audio essay. Um, so yeah, and we also, uh, we find out pretty early in the movie, kind of in the beginning, that, uh, Eden and Will have, uh, suffered a loss of their child, and that's kind of what led to this separation, because I don't think they're actually divorced yet, are they? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't think they ever make it clear. Yeah, I don't think they say. But basically, yeah, let's say, we'll say separated since we don't know. I don't like to put the divorce word if I don't know your relationship status. Uh, But they've lost a child. 
and uh, Will ha- is pretty deep in depression as you would be, and Eden is uh, fakely happy, oddly happy and at ease. Um. Also, Eden is dressed up like a goddamn reverse Morticia Adams, and I fucking am living for it. Yes, the hair, the fucking dress, except it's like white and it's like blindingly obvious that it's not supposed to be black, and it's just a complete fucking denial of her grief, which is brilliant. And I can't remember. I think it was you, Mike, that said it was like, or maybe it was wrong. I can't remember, but how how her outfit's like very ritualistic. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she's got that like necklace on, and she just Mm -hmm. she is dressed like you know some kind of ancient ritual. Like she's either gonna go plunge the dagger into like the heart of a virgin and throw her in a volcano, or she's gonna throw herself (laughs) in a volcano. One or the other. (laughs) It's even like a like similar to like baptism. I'm thinking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I will say. Especially as I, uh, this was when we actually sat down and to write notes was my third time seeing it. And as someone that for most of the movie I feel is set up for you not to really like, like she's kind of uh, an antagonist in this movie, whether you know it or not. You're, cause you're obviously supposed to really be identifying with Will, I mm-hmm. feel. As, as the protagonist, but the more I watch this movie, the more I, I really like her, and, like, kudos to that actress, because she's probably my favorite performance of the whole movie. Oh, for I sure. Think, yeah, I think yeah. she just did so amazing, and I think we should recognize that. I was maybe a little bit, when I was making my notes when I was first watching it, I was not very generous. Because you know me, my first instinct is always to, like, be fucking catty and, like, just slice everything to bits. And I maybe, as I may have said to you before, called her a bargain bin Hillary Swank. But <laughs> I, I came around and I do think that, like, she was actually a very subtly, like, low-key awesome in that movie. I, I enjoyed her. Yeah, and uh, I also I have uh, written down, like... To me, I felt uh, when they kind of uh, embrace each other, uh, which I oh, that's probably one of my favorite scenes and it's such a subtle thing. But they walk in the door and they're greeting each other and Eden and Will hug and she sees the speck of blood on his cheek from killing the coyote. He hasn't told the party yet that this happened and she just kind of casually licks her thumb and wipes it off and says like oh you're a mess and right away I kind of feel you can still almost you can cut almost this like still kind of like like I don't want to say sexual tension but like you can still tell that they're very attached to each other through this loss well they care about each other and I think the loss was really what drove them apart and obviously they both like I mean, they show her attempting to kill herself. Obviously, he's in a deep depression. Like, so obviously this loss is, like, what drove them apart. And maybe without the loss, they'd still be together. Yeah, so. and there's, there was clearly not much in the way of closure. 
Yeah, no, you know, exactly. there's lots of, lots of fucking lingering issues there. She goes to Mexico. He's just like isolating himself. So, although I was gonna say, I feel like you could almost just rename the movie "Sexual Tension" because as we progress in the party, there is like there is weird hints at all these people with unresolved tension between. You know, we see when uh, Will, when they're at first coming to the party, he sees Sadie. They kind of set that up where Sadie's just naked in the doorway, kind of coyly smiling at him. Yes, our introductory shot to her, by the way. But then we. But I don't think there was tension there because I don't feel like he really cared. But then I'm saying then it even if he didn't reciprocate it, we then later on we'll talk about like it develops between her. Whether she's the only one that feels it. But then we have things such as like when they sit down to play the game of like, what do you want to do? Uh, even though we had like, uh, you know, this. Actually, before we get into that, I, I was going to say the next to me, the most next important thing was kind of the heated discussion in the kitchen with Ben and Eden and Will I think that's when we first see Eden's kind of facade quickly drop. Uh, when Ben kind of is like, you're acting like a fucking nut bar. And she just kind of smacks him as hard as she can. Oh yeah, that's when the like repression that is clearly happening just bubbles over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, and then my thing was the contrast between going from that to... When they're playing the what, you know, what do you want game, Eden's like, I've always wanted to kiss Ben. I've always wanted to, like, make out with him. And, yeah, it's just kind of these, like, weird, psychosexual, like, repressed things, I feel, where once we discover what's going on, like, these people are just trying, you know, Eden is just trying to kind of get what she wants to do out there. And we have things like uh, Gina and Sadie like make out and like Gina makes that whole comment. I think she says something like she hasn't done that since like college and, and then um, Miguel's partner like makes the comment about like, Oh, like I just like want one of you to like suck my dick. And yeah, it's just like this weird sexual tension that I just thought was interesting in all of these themes of depression and loss and and I guess that's true because what was this game called it was like what do you want or like it was about saying what you want yeah and besides Gina like wanting coke everything was about sex like yeah it's interesting that that's like what it went to I guess interesting point I thought uh so well in I guess before, I guess it's important to bring up, we'll rewind back a little to before they play the game, uh, and I'm sure I just want to hear Mike rant about this a bit, about when uh, Eden and, is it David? David. David, I want to show everyone something quickly and bring the laptop out. Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) I mean, you you don't even have to know anything about the plot of the movie to know sort of where this is going. Obviously, you know, it's not like some kind of fucking whodunit. Um, But 
I could not help but, you know, like, I just thought this is, and, and like you said, there's this weird tension as well. Like, it's not just about, like, grief and death, but it's, like, a weird sexual thing. And there's all sorts of unresolved issues. And when they trotted out the laptop and laid it down and everyone was sitting around, they're like, we want to show you something. I was like, I know this is probably going to be something horrific or really stupid, but I was like, please let them be like, this is our sex tape. And just have all these like old friends from like college sitting around, like watching them like screw or whatever, or like have a 4G. And I just, I was very disappointed when it came on and it was like, oh, it's some like culty, you know, fucking propaganda video. It's, it's like, also make it really still fuck. <laughs> it's also really interesting. They And like, this should definitely be a first clue for anybody at this party that it's, they've invited them there and it's everybody who is like an old friend. Like they all have a prior relationship with each other except for these two randoms, right? And then it's kind of like, why are they here? Like, what's happening? Like, that should be a first clue that something strange is happening. Yeah, the presence is a real tip-off. Yeah, Yeah. well, and especially because right before they bring out the laptop is like when Pruitt shows up and says like, sorry, I'm late. And everyone's... Then I feel, I felt as a viewer, then you're like, okay, what's going on? Because we know we've been introduced to this whole cast that are dear friends for a long time and they haven't seen each other in a long time and then just this random guy as well as we have Sadie there and, and they don't we're not really like they're never given we're never given as a viewer and the guests of the party aren't given a real reason why they're there other than like oh these are just you know David's like these are some of my friends and it just like it doesn't really make sense because of why that party was happening, why they would be there. Yeah, and that really uh, contributed to the, like, slow burn of that first, like, I'm like three quarters of the movie, you know, where it's just, like, yeah. nothing happening as such, but it's just them sort of, like, being natural, and it's, like, not performative, really, because they're all just, it's sort of, like, a regular small get-together of friends where they're, like, chatting and breaking off, and you know, just sort of, like, hanging around, and it's not like, we're gonna, like, have this expository conversation. Now, obviously, there is a little bit of that, because they haven't seen each other in a long time, but um, I just found that, like, like him showing up and, like, kind of walking from off screen, you know, that sort of, like, it's, like, you get that yeah. more, the dread builds up, because it's been slowly creeping, I think, the whole time, because you're like, okay, so what's the issue here? Something is gonna happen. Like, when is that axe gonna drop, so to speak? I think... I think the fact that nothing, there's no action in most of the movie, I don't know, it contributes to that, like, tension, like, yeah. so much tension builds. And I was going to say, like, if for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't watched the movie and you plan on watching the movie, like, I, it is a, a very slow burn movie, and I I think the slow burn was done really well. There was never a point that I was just like, get out with it, right? (laughs) Like it builds the creepy tension Mm -hmm. so well, and we're as a as a viewer, like you are Will, because we're feeling we see Will's facial expressions, what he's saying to people. Um, you know, another important scene is is Will 
getting firewood outside and he sees Eden like taking a pill uh, out of a drawer through the window and uh, and yeah it's just like him noticing little odd things and us as viewers are like brought into this paranoia with him of like something just seems really off uh, I was gonna say like probably the biggest off thing was like David locking the door with a with a key and I was all, like WTF because I'm like who lo- who has a lock for a key on the inside a eh? yeah just that throw the deadbolt weird. dude <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah but basically he locks it and I I think that's the first time we're kind of confronted with Will's paranoia because he basically very loudly is kind of like what the hell are you doing like why are you locking us inside and uh you know david gives his like because he takes the key away yeah he keeps the key and then david tries to excuse it with like oh there's been break-ins and i'm just worried about your safety also there's no cell phone service because somebody tries to call something or someone but just like two seconds before that david's actually talking to someone on their phone and then also i was thinking too troy calls troy's in the house beforehand calls and says that he's there so he obviously has cell phone service and then at when uh will gets that message will has cell phone service so like i like how this like one really convenient point in the movie they don't have cell phone service <laughs> I mean, it is like real life, I guess. Get, yeah. get a better shit, shit fucks you over, yeah. <laughs> I do, I don't want to skip past, I do want to talk about, uh, when we talk about uh, Pruitt's, I can never remember the actor's name that played Pruitt. Something Carol Lynch. I can't remember his first name. John Carol Lynch, maybe? Might be John. Maybe. We'll say John. If Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. One oh, second. One second. The joys of... John Carol Lynch? Away. Damn, I was right. Yeah. John, oh. Yep. John Carol Lynch... I do not, like, out of anything in this movie, his performance when they're playing the what they want game and what he wants to do is tell them about the story of his wife, that was, like, so crazy powerful, like, of a performance. And, you know, him explaining that how much he loves his wife and his wife, like gave his life meaning and then he murdered his wife by accident and by accident in quotations in a drunken stupor and then i don't know if we're ready for that argument in the second recording of it i i said in the first recording and i still agree that i felt sympathy for him as he told that story because he's trying to tell this story of like redemption and how he was drunk and it affected his life and he went to prison and it was like I would have never hurt her but we I will talk about it very soon here where that's not necessarily the case I'm trying to remember if he tells a story after they show the video Yes, it's and after I the video. And I think they do. Yeah. And, like, if you're not gone after they show the video and you're fucking <laughs> The snuff you're film. <laughs> it was essentially, he, like, a, you know, low-key yeah. snuff film. And then um, he tells this story directly after. 
I was not feeling sympathy. I was like, you guys are fucking dead. Like, <laughs> this guy is crazy. There's bars on the fucking windows. <laughs> the dead yeah. vault is key only. <laughs> like, you're fucked. Exactly. Like, I know Rowan was, like, you know, all about redemption and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, no. Like, this guy is randomly here. There's all these other signs. Like, this is not somebody I'm feeling bad for. This is literally someone who's going to murder me. Alarm bells. Alarm bells. Alarm bells, yes. And, uh, yeah, and so throughout the slow burn part of this movie, I think it's worth mentioning that we're continuously given more and more hints of the story of the son and his death, which the first couple times I watched weren't clear because I always thought he'd drown. I don't know why I thought that. But they keep after, well. It's very like um the the the, 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 the flashbacks. Yes, are very um brief and um I don't know like dreamlike, obviously, and um they cut back and forth, and you 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 don't really get any sense of like context. So it does sort of like show water a lot and like the pool in the backyard. So I thought the same thing when I was watching it. I was like, I mean, this is a drowning. You know, it's like don't look now, redux and. Yeah. yeah, and it was, like, one of those things, like, I didn't know, like, I still don't know how I'd feel about it if I thought maybe it should have, like, I get the idea that you kind of, like, have to watch the movie to get more and more context, but I also kind of felt, like, would it really hurt the movie if they just kind of came out and said what happened to the son? Like, I, I felt it wasn't a big enough plot point. I was gonna say, the... the, the reveal of you know how he died doesn't really affect anything one way or the other so the act the act of sort of being um vague about it just seems like it's obscuring it for no good reason yeah i kind of disagree because i kind of like how they drew it out because they that was just like another side piece of the side like side piece of the plot that i don't know i just thought the timing was fine like they talked about it in different like yeah in like different scenes and stuff another thing i was kind of confused about because we we discover that the son they were doing something with a bat and like the sun pinatas i say pin yeah we're thinking pinatas why you be using like a wooden baseball (laughs) bat with young kids but basically by the looks of it i assume that another kid hit him in the head with a bat and he died. I'm just saying, like, um, how hard do you have to hit a kid? How hard does one kid have to hit another kid for that kid to die? Yeah. Mike, you said that somebody hit you in the head with the bat and you're yes. alive. <laughs> it was like tail. my brother and his friend when I was like, I don't know, seven or something. Like, yeah, we're just, you know, like throwing a ball around out in the street and like, I just like took a friggin' aluminum baseball bat in the side of the head and i was fine i mean well yeah 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 it was not it was you know i mean i'm sure some people would argue that i've not been fine since then (laughs) but i mean i didn't die so i guess that that sort of you know underlines the point that's uh that's always good that 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 sort of indicates there was like malicious intent (laughs) like i'm just gonna you know behead you what i was kind of curious about too was I mean, because we don't ever find out, but I wondered if, because we're not really told, I think, other than once with Ben, like, if any of these other people have kids. So I wondered, like... Does Ben have kids? 
Oh, yeah, because his wife is yeah, at home. Yeah, yes, I wondered, yeah. like, was the kid that killed their kid, like, any of these people's kids? I would feel no, because I think there, that would definitely be brought up. But, yeah, I, I was just curious. Yeah, that would so. contribute to that, like, tension and, you know, like, mm. lack of closure and stuff. So, uh, I guess, because uh, we did bring her up, um, Claire decides to leave after the video. After the showing some woman I am the only sensible person in that whole fucking house. <laughs> she, she's like, this is weird. I uh, she gets I was I like, girl, take me with you. Like, she got more weirded out with the game because she was just like No, I'd like there's girls making out and Also the guy just told everybody. But did he about... tell it when she was still there? Yeah. yeah. And then Right after she's like, no, like this is. Yeah, I gotta life. go. <laughs> and then he's like, so, I murdered my wife. Um, let me see you out to your car yeah, <laughs> in the dark. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I just randomly know that you're driving the Prius. Like, oh, was so it a Prius? Was, yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and we see her back away. That was like a great scene, like where she backs out. Uh, Pruitt has moved his car. And he, he runs after And then he gets out of his car, and he's just kind of standing there for a second, like he's just, like, looking at a phone. And then as she starts to drive, he's like, oh, hey, Claire. And then out of frame, we we don't, they both go out of frame, and... They leave it as that. They leave it as that. And then Pruitt comes back and says he apologized because he fe- didn't want to ruin the party. And um, so in the actual script, Claire dies. He kills her. And, um, on one of the scenes where Will is overlooking the hills, the Hollywood Hills, she was supposed to be laying in the bushes underneath that, um, the deck, I guess, dying. But that happened, they would show that way too early in the movie and it would kind of have, uh, wrecked the tension, the suspense. So they took that out and they just left it ambiguous. I think that was a good but, idea. I think yeah, so too, I, yeah. Yeah, because I, I still kind of fantasized that she just like she has, she stopped away. at Seven Eleven and like picked up some ice cream and said like "fuck this shit, <laughs> fuck <Yeah>. these people." <laughs> I got a Green. fucking good ten year job at university. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna go home and not die right now. <laughs> like, that's that's she, in my head what she's happened. She's at home eating ice cream, grading shitty first year student papers. Yeah, I mean, hate in her life, but at least she's alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's just like, thank God I'm alive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so throughout this movie of paranoia and uh, of Will, we, we have lots of moments where Will kind of like freaks out, and every time he freaks out, it's kind of there's a reasonable answer, or no one else is really feeling this paranoia like Will. Well. When I'm reading about the movie, they said, so the people that were, were like, writing it or whatever said that the people were feeling the paranoia, but it was kind of a comment on, um, like, being polite and, like, social niceties. It's like they they knew kind of something was going on, but they just wanted to be polite. When you have that, you you have that, like, tension, too, of, like, everyone knows that Will is suffering, like, a, a very deep depression as you would about this loss 
and I'm sure everyone's also thrown off by like how nonchalant Eden is now and how happy she is. Yeah, and because how he, like overly explicitly like emotional that Will is. Yeah, yeah, and we and we do know as the movie goes on that like Eden tried to kill herself after the son died, so it's like this total one eighty where she's talking to everyone about embracing life and and just letting not having to deal with the pain if you just let it go and you forgive yourself and and all these kind of things. Um, so do we want to talk about when they, well, A, they drink a lot of expensive wine in this movie, Ugh. apparently. I'm not a wine do connoisseur. A oh, do I ever? <laughs> that wine that looked like a sludgy mud? <laughs> Again, I mostly drink, you know, a nice fine um $22 bottle of 2 liter wine <laughs> that's usually just called red <laughs> or white but but does it look better but than the so-called three, I, the no, $500 bottle I was going to say I've I've never had the pleasure of drinking a you know very very fine bottle of wine but I'm telling you right now if someone poured that um clay looking shit into my glass that i don't think i would probably drink it but whatever i'm sure if they said it was you know 500 dollars bottle of wine i'd be like bottoms up bitches <laughs> but it had that, it, I, I just thought it was really cool and it also reminded me of like the wine that they give her in suspiria which you know when she throws into the sink you know it's it's, yeah. it's like you it's just completely dense and it just which obviously is for the technicolor kind of spectacle of it, but you know, to me, note on that. So we were watching that. We got what half hour in, and um, we're talking about Suspiria for a second. Yes. <laughs> we got about a half hour in, and the the words stopped lining up with the video, so we had to stop watching it. So to be, I just gonna suck it up me. and buy it on Blu-ray, yeah. and that's what happens when you yeah. watch it on a free app. Exactly yeah, on Tubi of all apps. Oh my goodness! So. Let's uh, let's chug on. So we're moving upstairs. No pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. Coming up, uh, we move upstairs <laughs> to the dining room, which is disorienting. Is I love it. it yeah, I don't. Really maybe that's a thing. It. I don't know. And it was, we I cut out about twenty minutes, I think, on this one of me and X talking about like the decor of the house and the layout of the house. Yeah. I think but, you guys should definitely briefly talk. Oh, about absolutely. It. But I like. I don't know if having a dining room upstairs is like a traditional thing anywhere else. I've never heard of it. To me, it, it really threw me off, and that was part of what like worked so well about the movie because. You know, like, the architecture of the house was a little disorienting, which contributed to that, like, bizarre tension, and it's like, something's not right. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that was deliberate. I absolutely love the the dining room upstairs, and there was a house, when my parents moved into the house they currently live in now, that we went to see, and the dining room was on the second level, Um, and also... I've been looking at homes like back where Rowan and I are from and there's a home for sale with a dining room on the second level. And I just like something about that I just love because it's so yeah, I do. so strange. Like it is very disorienting. That's not how a house, you know, quote unquote should be designed. Um, <laughs> just we're staring, staring, staring at I was thinking at about I did, I'm trying to remember the scene 
There was a weird scene. I can't remember. It was, it was briefly before they announced dinner upstairs. But there was a scene I just remember that for some reason David goes upstairs and then talks to everyone over the ledge. Yes, because there's almost like a balcony overlooking yeah. the yeah. living but room. But it's before yeah. they call everyone up to dinner and he says whatever he says and then he immediately walks back downstairs. And I just remember thinking that was really odd that he like it was like, I have to say this up on this balcony. Oh yeah, well you know he was having a like fucking I am a Vita moment like getting up yeah. on the balcony and like raising his hands to like his cheering. You know, I guess it's after he showed them a snuff film, like, I'm going to <laughs> decree. I guess, too, if you're, like, wanting to speak to a group, maybe you'll get their attention more if you're, like, saying it from a balcony rather than just, like, amongst them. Well, um, yes, I mean, it makes you feel more like a dictator or something, I guess. I know we keep trying to get upstairs, but I, I do want to say, I believe before they go upstairs, Will has one major freak out downstairs in front of everyone. Am I remember that? Like, I think he brings up, like, why are you so cool about this? Like, about our son I believe dying. so, yes, yeah. Yeah. He, he has many a freak outs. Um, so, uh, we go... Now, when they go upstairs, because the architecture is very interesting, um... I think it's it's also because it's positioned on a hill now that I'm, like, thinking about it. Yeah, because... It's positioned on a hill. So, like, you walk in, and on the main level, it's, um, it's like, the living room and stuff. But then how it's positioned on a hill... Because when, like, when he gets firewood, when Will's asked to get firewood, he goes to the backyard on the first floor. Now, the scene I wanted to bring up next, where Will is watching David light a red lantern in the yard that's upstairs so they have like another lawn they have like a lawn on the hill upstairs so both levels kind of look like main floors yeah it is it's that sort of contributes to that like vaguely off disorienting yeah yeah you can't quite put your finger on it but it just doesn't feel like um you know, it's like kind of like that, you know, Hunting of Hill House, like, quote, where it's like, the angles don't add up, and it's just one big distortion, right? And it's sort of like, <laughs> just a bunch of, like, slightly off angles that, that just, you know, it's like, eh, it gets under your skin, it makes it feel prickly, and you don't really know why. Yes. And and as viewers, like, we, we don't know, like, we see Will uh, watching David light this lantern, this red very red lantern. We don't know what, why he's just kind of, he's kind of like slips out lights and hangs it up, comes back. And we'll kind of find out more about that towards the, uh, the ending. My only qualms, uh, with kind of all of this stuff is I kept saying that I thought it was, I thought it was weird that people were very visible in windows throughout the movie due to lighting (laughs) And no one acknowledges each other. Like, if if it's dark outside and you're in a, a all glass window, and I'm on the same, I'm only a couple feet away from you. Like, I could see you looking at me, but no one looks at each other. No one acknowledges. So I was thinking more about this, and you can't when you're in, you can't when you're inside. You can't, you can't see out when it's dark. Really see because you're seeing your own you're seeing the reflection. Yeah. Light. Okay. True. And you also, like I said before, 
people can see us in here. Our see our windows are floor to ceiling, but I never think about that. I don't think about how people are probably watching me from the street right now. It's just like I go about and living my life, and especially if you live in that house, which like Eden and David yeah. do, like they're probably not thinking about it. Well, I mean, if you yeah. were constantly thinking about all the windows that go from floor to ceiling, you'd probably go nuts, and you'd be like, <laughs> "Where's that peeping tom with like their you know telescope that's, across the across the way?" Right? I'm that well, peeping tom, and that's the thing. Like, Will is lurking. Like, he's he's like, yes, he kind of when he goes outside, he like skulks around, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> are you going to start going through Eden's trash bin out there now, <laughs> like looking in the window this while she's like taking those I'm... pills, which <laughs> I really wish he had taken some of because and went on a trip. But that's a whole other movie, I guess. This is when I insert the story about how if you're a rich person, you have your lights on at nighttime, I'm going to look through your windows to see what your house looks like (laughs) inside. Just remember that, rich people listening to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, you better hope I don't live in your If you've got some giant-ass TV and it's like 8 o'clock at night and I'm walking up the road (laughs) and you got big old fucking windows, you bet your ass I'm, as I'm walking by, going to like crane my head and look at what you're watching. And judge. Obviously, yes. We did talk about this last time, though. If there's, if I like look in somebody's window, just like not creepily, but I'm no. But as you're walking down the street, happen to turn my head. But if I see somebody in there that I don't look, because I do think that's pretty creepy. But if if I don't see a a person, yeah, like take note. Now you'll have to see. Now that it's been a couple days since we've seen this, when Will finds the laptop in David's. David's room, which I love that scene because, uh, is that, that's before the dinner, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. So he asks if it's okay if he goes and looks at his son's room, which has been transformed into David's office. Has it been? Yeah. Because um, he, he walks in the room and then it's the, the dreamy flashback yeah. stuff and he's yeah. seen the room as, as it was. Room. Yeah. And then as it fades into the normalcy of the room, where we see the desk. I thought he laid down on his son's bed. Yeah, but that no. was, I think that was sort of one of those weird, you know. Yeah, no, he does in the dream. I think he, I think when he, he's just sitting on the floor or something when it gets out of that. Okay, I have to, I have a question. This might be, this is kind of a creepy question, but if you guys had kids and they died, would you keep their room how it was or would you change it? I am not prepared to answer that because that is really <laughs> fucking depressing. Um, I say uh, daddy needs a room the podcast wow, in, so that's my oh, question... Oh, okay, and my... on the opposite end, I'm a fucking hoarder, so I would probably be like, fuck yes, I'm just gonna keep everything in there and make it like a depression room. Well, in real realistically, I'm just I'm just buying stuff it. for myself and say it's for my kids, so that stuff's mine anyway. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god. You'd be and like, now my... I don't have to put on airs as if I bought all these toys for a child. <laughs> when really they're for me, a grown-ass <laughs> man. Mine. But I was yeah, so uh in this scene, Will opens the laptop up. Uh probably the only uh the only product placement in the whole film. Shout out to Apple. Uh and this is where he sees the video, and this is kind of the first 
this is kind of our first nod that that we really see something going on because it's a video of the cult leader or the you know Eden claims is not a cult but we all know it is and the leader saying like I can't wait to to be with you all like tonight's the night I've been given the message so we kind of get that feeling and then he's interrupted Prude says you know it's time for dinner which is kind of I don't know what you guys thought but I thought it was really fucking rude because like (laughs) A like this used to be Will's place Mm -hmm. and they all knew because he asked in front of everyone like can I go look at my dead son's room and try to grieve and then Pruitt essentially just like grabs him by the shoulder and is like okay that's enough like come on now fuck your grief (laughs) yeah and like doesn't doesn't walk in front of him when Will's like okay he walks behind Will, so Will has to go. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, a warden walking behind the prisoner. Yeah. Well, obviously David had, like, probably told him to get him out of the Yeah, exactly. Which was also weird because, like, he was also watching the video after Pruitt knocked, and I'm thinking, like, you have to hear him playing the sound on this video. But I, I guess whatever. So, yeah, we go upstairs before dinner... We have what I at first, like, I thought Will was on something or had been giving something because Will is, like, hallucinating conversations or you don't know if he is. Uh, He's, like, Miguel's partner comes out and talks. Oh, Tommy was his name. Tommy. Tommy. There you go. We can stop saying Miguel's partner. He has a name, Tommy. Like, Tommy talks to him. It's like, oh, like, are you okay? Like, we're here for you. He, you know, the, the, the real sexual tension of him and Sadie at the pool where, where we get, Sadie's getting a little freaky. And, you know, she's like, you can do what, you know, you can fuck me right now and do whatever you want. And, like, you can beat me and whatever she says. I don't know if she said. I don't remember. She says something. She says she says something about like choking her. Like she says this to Will. Yeah, when but but I you don't know if it's real because that's why because then it goes to him and he's drinking and he's looking off to the thing. Do you remember that? I'm wondering if uh, Ro was having a hallucinatory moment because I don't (laughs) remember that either. But that's fine. That's fine. Trust me. If you watch, if you watch this episode, (laughs) you don't remember because they're by like uh, there's like a pool or a jacuzzi there, and he's just like standing there, and she's there, and because she comes up and she's like, "You could have me," you know, and she's like, "I don't remember that at all." Okay, I think it's time to move on from that scene. Yeah. When we're, when we're done, we're, we're gonna so we're gonna just argue for the rest of the episode about whether that when actually happened when we're or not. Done reco- when we're done recording this, I'm gonna show Exilia that scene. I look forward. I look forward to episode right. four being, um, you know, housekeeping. <laughs> the scene actually happened. <laughs> I will. I, we will come back next episode and tell you it exists. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. What I'm saying is he has all these interactions with different people, but then it kind of flashes back to him drinking and just standing there and those people aren't there. So I I didn't know if that was real or not, or if it was just a technique to fit these conversations I also don't have any notes about that in my thing. 
Yeah, whatever, guys. Okay, it happens. Um, it happens. Okay, let's get to the dinner. Moveon.org. Um, they they sit. <laughs> that that was like the most nineties. Listen, I I'm feeling very nineties today. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about the dinner, the the magnificent scene of dinner. Oh yes, and before we get to that, um, I I don't know if this was because my notes are sort of all over the place. I don't know. I think this was when they were walking up to dinner. Or maybe it was just when they were doing something else right before dinner, but that shot of, like, um... Because, like, it was weird, because the aesthetic of this movie was very muted and subtle for the most part, except for, like, little flashes here and there. And I found, like, this shot of this those beautiful, like, um, kind of open stairs when they were going up to the thing and it just showed like all their boots and like yeah, you know yeah. their boots were like metonymic for like their characters so you could tell who everybody was just by seeing their feet and it's like oh look there's barefoot sadie and you know oh, i just i thought that was a beautiful shot and i loved gina's boots she was rocking it it was very like it was very 80s it was it was awesome anyway also uh the phone call was before the message was before the dinner Oh yes, because he shows up during oh, the dinner. Troy, yes, yeah. yes, yes, Troy. Well, he gets the message yeah. while he's standing outside because he Be- gets service. Yeah, before the dinner. Before the dinner. So yeah, we should bring up. He gets a message from Troy that he says, "Hey man, I'm the first one at this party. I forgot to pick something up. Can you pick it up for me? Thanks." So this is like the the biggest Will freakout. Because as Will is sitting at dinner, uh, well, before he freaks out, I I know Mike agrees with me. The amazing scene that I think he's processing everything and the the phone call, the message he just got, and he's watching everyone drink and eat. Oh, God, yes. That was so well done. I think that was a masterful well, scene, yeah. Yeah. And, like, do you want to talk about it a little, Mike? Like, um, I feel like we'll just gush about it. <laughs> we will gush. But, again, and that's, you know, there was all that, like, wine and stuff. But it was, like, at this point, I mean, nothing happened. As we said, like, it was, it was just, like, tension. And it's, like, is this actually a horror movie? Or is this kind of, like, a fucking Bergman, like, chamber drama just dealing with grief? And um, But that was the first, actually, like, I my note was just like caps like this is the goriest scene in the whole movie because they're just all like drink and then and then it's like you look at the wine and the reason why it was like so fucking thick and like viscous is because it's bloody it's like a bloody goddamn wine in their goblets and it's just sloshing everywhere it's It's like like, something out of you know like very prime oh yeah yeah yeah. it's like you know they just all came back from war and like there's the shots of them like tearing everything apart and like it's like food hanging out of their mouths and it's like you know we just got back from like you know beowulf (laughs) you know we're in like a banquet hall in the side of a mountain and oh it was just so primal and like fucking like i said bloody and gory without actually any blood or gore it was just it was beautiful like hats off to karen kusama yeah yeah i that that oh i love that scene And, and like you said to me like i also thought the same thing when i saw it i was like this is like all this tension and this to me is like the real first horror shot of the film like to me this like makes it a horror movie just the cinematography of it all and like turning something so simple is like friends eating this dinner and having drinks into this just like primal slow motion like 
slow motion, like, orgy of, like, violent, like, it's so violent, and they're just doing something so mundane. Yeah, and it's like, well, they were playing that game, and it's like, want, what is your want? And it goes from, like, want to just, like, fucking utter consumption. They're just like, (laughs) there's no more want, we're just consuming and, like, filling the want, you know? It's like those, like, you know, I guess you think about, like, maybe 1600s, like, kings in england and it's just like this really like gluttonous yeah like, like canterbury yeah. tales gluttonous yeah. is such yeah. a great word for like it so yeah and then Sinful. and then once once will snaps kind of out of it and, and we go back to like a normal camera shot we have the freak out the meltdown will informing everyone that he got this message where the fuck is troy like Troy was here. What is going on? And people are are confused. They're like, is this true? And And and, who walks in? And who walks in? Troy. Fucking Troy. So awkward. And he's like, what's going on? (laughs) Why is everybody so fucking awkward right now? Troy was not... Because we are very led to believe... Because we're going down this descent of what we think could... like. To me, when I was watching this, as we get to this point, I'm really thinking this is going to be the twist. The twist is that Will has completely lost it. That there's nothing out of place in this movie except for Will's thoughts. And Troy, like, just helps solidify that. Because we're like, okay, Will just had the biggest blowout. And here's Troy. Because we're thinking maybe they murdered Troy. And no, Troy's right there. Troy said, you know what? I just went and picked the stuff up. I got here. I, he, what did he say? I got called in the work. Something about work. He, he had, had to go, go back to He had to go back to work. And everyone's like, that's fucking Troy. Oh, Troy, oh, Troy. And then, uh, and then, yeah. So, so I'm trying to think, like, they basically they offer, they're pretty much done food. So they say, Troy, we're going to get you a plate of food. And I think the food's a very important part to, as we get to this climax, because they, they bring up the fact that they cooked everyone's favorite foods. And they they slyly mention, like, we wanted to make sure, like, this meal we have together is, like, what something everyone wants and enjoys, mm-hmm. how great yeah. it is for this meal. And it's like we were talking about, you know, like, how Eden seemed, like, dressed like a ritual, and it's, the the food is, like, ritualistic. It's, like, this ritual consumption. And then we bring out another bottle of wine. Viscous, thick, syrupy wine. And the glasses they put this wine in. Oh my god, I can't, I just can't with those glasses. Uh, Like, even before I I knew that it was, like, fucking poison which you know i knew it wasn't anyway i was looking at these little tiny fucking glasses and i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you people you are supposed to be at a party you can't take a tiny ass glass that like you can fit one mouthful of wine in. like what the fuck is this shit yeah well in in like i don't know how you felt exilia but i felt like when i saw those like when you see those glasses like you're like, these are the most cult-looking glasses. Oh, yeah, feeling, like little goblets. I'm feeling really confused right now because I I remember Troy freaking out and, like, 
like bashing the glasses at everybody's no, hands. He's like, don't no, drink no, that. Will don't did that. Or sorry, Will bashing the glasses of everybody out of everybody's hands and be like, don't drink that. Don't drink that. But I guess that was after. Yeah. No, well, after. they pour it up and you know, kind of cheers or whatever, so, and then so only Will only Gina out. starts drinking it, and then he freaks out and Cause, slaps. Because what happens is Will Will freaked out about Troy not being yeah, there. Yeah, but then like once Troy shows up, Will kind of like questions himself. Yeah, well, yes, he goes into the bathroom and splashes some water on his face from that beautiful yeah. faucet, and the like mirrors everywhere that like does that infinite regression, which also makes yeah. you feel like is he like splintered? And then he comes out and he apologizes. Yeah, but and... what what like cues him into the fact that or clues him into the fact that. He needs to smash his glasses. I I think he just like no he's like angry and he yeah, literally bashes but he, them out of there because he because he he settles down and then I think they pour the pour the wine they give it to everyone I think it's just I mean it's ritualistic we 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 know as they're giving their speech the glass I mean it's a cult speech like. You know, I forget what they say, but it's a very like you're about to drink some shit speech. I don't know. I gotta. I gotta. I for some reason I'm drawing blank. But yes, sorry. Continue. Well, I, we're saying what happens. That's what happens. He apologizes because I think even though he apologizes, he's still he's still thinking something's but off. How do you go from apology to then like bashing cups out of people's hands? Well, because you also have to remember that the wine. David got the wine elsewhere. David went downstairs to get a special bottle. Also, I feel like we should not fault the movie for us having shitty memories, which is what's yeah, happening right now. Like, what is, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what happened in that like 30 seconds of the movie. So let's... I have a good memory. Yeah. I'm just telling you what happened. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't seen this for about a week now. It's only been, like, four days. Carnage ensues. So car- People get Will, shot. People so Will get freaks out, smashes the glasses, says, don't drink this. And uh, then Sadie attacks him. And Sadie attacks him and says, you fucked everything up. And then he smashes her head Well, by accident. He, yeah, he pushes her and smashes her head. And... As an audience, we're kind of like, yeah, Will is gone. Because we're like, he literally this... She, he we th- he threw it in Sadie. Yeah, yeah, we think she's pretty much dead. And we're like, you know, like, what is wrong with this guy? She she is still alive. She's still breathing. But someone's like, she's not breathing. And then they think, you think that we're talking about Sadie, but really they're talking about Gina. Oh, my girl. Gina, the party girl, had my the drink girl. before the uh, toast. I'm just going to say, that. in that party, I would have been the one dead first, because that whole glass would have just been like, <laughs> bottoms up, bitches. <laughs> my- Mike Mike was voted in his yearbook first one to die at a call. First one to die from drinking poison wine. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so so Gina is frothing at the mouth. I have written in my my notes when shit hits the fan, it hits the fan in this movie, and I love every second of it. Oh yeah, it goes to hell literally in 60 seconds, and then it's like, what is even happening? Miguel Miguel runs to help Gina. People are confused because obviously, like, none of these guests think that Eden is trying to kill them yet. 
and they're like, "What's wrong with her?" Blah blah blah. They're dumb. And then we and then we we hear the the pop, and David has shot Miguel, and uh, yeah, wow, wow, and David freaks out. <laughs> he was not made to shoot people. And this is where I want to bring this up because this is where I learned that that sympathy I had for Pruitt was not called for because Pruitt then there's that I love this scene where Pruitt slowly goes to David like give me the gun and you almost at first have a feeling like it's like you know like you're trying to disarm this guy and calm the situation and he's like give me the gun and then I believe he just automatically takes the gun and shoots Troy oh yeah and then it's just five minutes of people dead yeah, everywhere and, and it's like learn, I don't know learn, who's alive Pruitt, and who's Pruitt dead Pruitt is a psychopath Pruitt is a psychopath we, okay so for normal people we learned that at the beginning of the movie <laughs> yes for Rowan he's just cluing <laughs> in five minutes before the end well, there's more than five minutes. But yeah, then this movie ramps it up, and then we really get into this, like, you know... Ten minutes of carnage home, and hide Ten minutes seek, of yeah. carnage, home invasion feeling. Everybody is... I don't... I, like, you know, if you have it... I, we don't, I don't think we really need to go into, like, every No, death it's, it's just... It's, it all happens so they fast, die. and... Yeah. Everyone's dying. Die. I think the kind of the most emotional one is, is, you know, Eden. I forget who it is, but Eden does kill, shoot someone. Oh, Eden shoots Will in the arm. And then Eden kind of like has that meltdown where she realizes like this isn't what she wants. Like she isn't. This isn't going to solve my problems. <laughs> I'm going to shoot myself in well, the and, stomach. And, and she. Yeah, she can't believe what she's done, and she shoots herself in the stomach. I think because she doesn't see a way out of it anymore. And Mike had a good comment about that, about how she like shoots herself in the womb. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, it's like people are getting like stabbed in the heart and shot in the womb, and it's just like, and her name is Eden, and it's, everything is so like on the nose, but it's not irritatingly so. It's kind of like I appreciated it. I appreciated her, like um, you know. <laughs> the fucking like unresolved grief of her like dead child and it's like I'm gonna shoot myself in the stomach in this like beautiful white dress and then just like yeah and to me like that it, cause then she shoots herself and Will kinda goes up it, cause she kinda like that she says like she wants Will to hold her or whatever for a second and he does and I found it more powerful the the third time watch like I was tearing up a bit. Like, it was really emotional where Eden kind of comes to this realization that, uh, you know, like, she isn't over over this death of her son and she hasn't resolved these feelings and depression. Oopsie, and after like, she invited all of her closest friends to be murdered, she all of a sudden realizes, oh, wait, I have issues. Maybe I shouldn't have everybody murdered. <laughs> Why are you saying your name? She meant well. No, I, I just <laughs> thought it was nice. It kind of shows that they, you know, obviously still care about yeah. each other and have feelings about each other. Exilia, everyone that's listening in podcast land is wondering why I'm saying your name Exilia because I'm about 90% sure she's falling asleep. I'm not falling during asleep. During the podcast. <laughs> I'm not falling asleep. I'm listening to what you guys have to say. Uh, and not commenting. <laughs> 
Because you guys were just, just no podcast. If she ever snores on mic, I will not delete it. I didn't know what he was. I was staring at him because he was like moving his arms like crazy, and I thought he was actually just trying to get mad at me for. I swivel my chair back and forth, and sometimes he gets mad at me with his arms. <laughs> Mad with his arms. Like flailing his arms. So that's what I thought he was talking about. Sorry. I, and don't worry, audience. I'm not prudent, okay? <laughs> that's not funny. That isn't funny. We should make jokes about that. I'm sorry. But yeah, so we totally broke the uh, the mood of how emotional that end- that part of the ending was. But yeah, like I, I teared up a bit. I thought it was like really beautiful where like they're kind of, even though... She essentially has helped kill all their friends. I mean, she kind of invited them yeah, all. <laughs> and tried to kill him. Like, they just have, like, this real-ass moment as as a, a couple grieving over their son. And he kind of, like, lets her know, even though she's about, you know, she's gonna die, that, like, it's okay. Like, you know, I I get it. And, uh, yeah, this brings us to the ending where she asks to be outside. Uh, she wants to die out. She wants to be outside. It's beautiful. We can't forget how Kira's the hero in the story. Yes, Kira is the hero. After doing nothing all movie. Yeah. I was so disappointed that she did nothing, but she really, like, um... Kira is a non-factor. They they pulled her out. They pulled her out. The entire movie, like, most of the movie, where I'm like, why did we even need this character? And then you get to, like... She's kicking Pruitt's ass. Yeah. She's just kicking ass yeah. and taking I think names. she's also, like, there to be strong for for Will. Yeah. Because when they're by the pool and she's like, you know, I can help you, blah, 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 and he says, no, you can't, or whatever. But, like, throughout the whole thing, she's, like, trying to be strong for him. Yeah. Also, she's accompanying him to this super fucking awkward dinner, which is probably very awkward for yeah. him as well. And you need a buffer. She's a buffer. Yeah, She's a good right? buffer. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Kira and Will and uh, Will, Carrie, and Eden come out to the lawn to end it. We now get to why the Red Lantern was so important. Exilia, I, you love the ending, so why don't you talk about the ending? <laughs> why are you putting me on the spot? Uh, yeah, so then you go out and... And you hear all these, like, helicopters, police helicopters, and sirens and stuff. And then they look out over the hills, and um, you find out that pretty much every house on the hills has this red lantern lit up. And, like, obviously it was a big... It wasn't just an isolated case for this house. Like, the whole city was participating in this. Yeah, and it goes from, like, chamber drama to, like, fucking apocalypse. (laughs) Yeah. In like five there's minutes, yeah. Heli- there's a helicopter, and you hear yeah. gunshots and screaming, and yeah, it's and it's like an excellent, excellent, excellent ending. Yeah, it's like and Fight Club in credits, the yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I was gonna say like, and even to make it more, it, it hits you even harder after you examine it because we didn't bring it up, but uh, when they talk about this cult when they show the video at the beginning of the party the 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 cult is called like the invitation a bunch of the party members bring up like oh my boss went like went to mexico to the invitation like almost everyone there had heard of it and knew people that were involved in it but at that time we don't really know the significance yeah like how widespread is it then at the end it's like is this 
just in this city? Is it all over the world? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just brilliant. It makes your skin crawl and then cuts to the credits and it's like, oh god, I'm going to think about that all day. <laughs> it's kind of smart to put it in LA because, like, I don't know. I've only, like, been in the airport there, but I feel like the Hollywood Hills and, like, people that have money and whatever – there might be some like susceptible to cults <laughs> like that's just my <laughs> well it's, it's trends and yeah. stuff yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like yeah like tom weird, cruise fit again. yeah exactly weird ass trends yeah. yeah you know more money than brain don't sometimes. don't tr- don't try to belittle my character or whatever what is it they say uh, oh, the Scientology. Yeah, Scientology. I don't know. It's all about definition. Don't shut our don't don't shut our podcast down because we talked about Scientology. Oh no, oh, they're gonna come out. Here we right. go. But but yeah, so let's get. <laughs> you know, we we talked about it. I think it's definitely time to get to the ratings. Let's start with Mike. A yay or a nay? A yay or a slay? Um, I really really enjoyed it. Um, it's not quite a slay for me. Slay is reserved for you know something that's sort of for whatever reason hits me at a different level um and i loved it so i'm definitely giving it a yay because it was definitely not an a it was very well done um even though it was like low budget and you know it was just everything about it really uh stuck with me too but uh yeah it was definitely a yay i really enjoyed it uh like i said it's you know she's a very artful director and uh I can't wait to see her new movie with Nicole Kidman. X? Uh, yep, I'm the same. I I say uh, yay as well. Um, this was my second time seeing it, and it just... It was a wonderful... It's a really well-done movie. I love the aesthetic. Like, it's awesome. I think everybody should see it. And... And the ending was just like, wow. Like, it really, really wowed you. And the tension, it was really, like, good attention building. But it's not something that was, like, well replicated after the first viewing. Yeah, it does not, like, hold up to multiple viewings in terms of, like, gripping you, I guess. Yeah, because, like, you, it's not really good at building tension after the first time because you, like, know what's going to happen. You know this, like, really crazy twist ending. Um... But in saying that, like, it was a, it was a really, really good movie. And same with Mike, like, Slay is reserved for, like, you know, you can't give every movie a Slay, no. because then it means nothing. Slay is reserved for, like, the best. Garbage fail kids. <laughs> the garbage fail. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a yay for me. Yeah, so I, I really tormented over this, because I do really love this movie, um... I like I said, uh, this was my third time watching it, and I was still pulling stuff from it that I didn't get on the first or second view. But I will give it a yay. Um, the big factor, like everyone has said, is that once you've seen it once, you know the twist ending, so it doesn't have that same like holy crap impact. Um, but I still did enjoy it on the other views because I, I, since I knew the twist plot, I was looking at other things yeah. that I could pull. And that's where, like, you know, like I said, the third time watching it, like, the interactions between Will and Eden, like, really kind of teared me up at the end that it didn't the first time because I was in shock of the twist ending going on. Uh, but yeah, I, I think yay. I think it's definitely something everyone should check out at least once. I would always 
tell people to watch it. And it's a great movie, even if you're not a big horror person. It's more psychological. Like, it is, it's a psychological horror. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's something for everyone. Um, and then the only fact I had written down that I said I wait till the ending was just kind of a fun fact that the original cast of it was supposed to be uh, Luke Wilson and Zachary Quinto, Topher Grace, and Johnny Galecki. Uh, so I think that would have been interesting. And I think Exilia had... Why I forgot to write down why they weren't. So I believe I had read that it was something about how so all these people were supposed to be in it together and how like that would kind of take away from the story because there'd be so much focus on like who the actors Yeah, they're were. so recognizable. You already have like preconceived notions of what yeah. who yeah, they I are. I mean, and what, not yeah. that they really, you know, I've seen the OC, so that still happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that um, that just proves the point, right? Like, you come in exactly. kind of loaded with expectations, and it's kind of a chamber drama-style movie like that that doesn't really work. And I think Buddy, like, outside of people that have seen those, see, like, nobody probably knows who that yeah. guy is. No offense, no offense to that guy, but... <laughs> and everyone they casted did amazing, yeah. so... I, I would have liked to see Topher Grace. Any horror I've seen recently where... Because Topher Grace has been kind of dipping his toe in that pool. He, Topher Grace, like, I could see him playing David very well. He, he I think can so. be creepy. He's kind of, like, could have this, like, creepy preppy vibe, too, I feel. Yeah. Also, this is a good segue into um, the fact that we have this bonus episode pull-up. Because Luke Wilson is in my pick. Yes, yes. Okay, so, now that we've wrapped up... Uh, Sorry for that abrupt wrap the, the invitation. Uh, we'll do the housekeeping to end everything off. So before we do that, let's get into uh, the March poll winner. It was a heated battle. Our first fan poll pick. It was a battle. It was intense. It kept between Mike and Exilia. And the winner... Uh, the gracious, gracious winner. Oh, so gracious. <laughs> was Mike, and uh, do you want to announce what movie it was? Oh, yes, do I ever. Um, now, I am sad that at this point in time, we are not doing Mandy, but we reserve the right to several episodes down the road uh, talk about that one, so never fear. But uh, for now, it will be the original version of My Bloody Valentine, because it was a merch Movies beginning with M, so there we go. I, I'm, despite the fact we're not doing Mandy, and I'm pretty sad that I don't get to see Nicolas Cage and his many faces. It's kind of cool because it was filmed in Cape Breton, which is an island um, in the province that Rowan and I are from, and it's between where Rowan and I are from and where Mike's from. Yes, so it's, it's little, like at home. Yes, it's it's. And you only you you only lost by one point. So. Uh, there was, uh, there were a lot of votes. There really, really were. And I mean, I kind of cheated a little bit because I voted for myself. I didn't vote so at kinda, all, you cheater. <laughs> I kind of lost it for, t- I kind of lost my two, but. But yeah, thanks to everyone that voted for that. You will, you'll be listening to this episode, uh, this Sunday, the 17th. 
I believe. Oh my gosh, of March. Yeah. Assuming so that, that we didn't epi- fuck it up that again. episode will be out the next week. So you're actually getting three weeks straight of us. So hopefully you don't get sick of us. Uh, and we'll announce the new uh, the new poll is up. And when you hear this episode, it will still be up. It's up till the end of March. It's for April. The theme is. Home invasion movies. Although mine takes place in a motel, but um, a motel is kind of your yeah. home away home from away home. Home away from home, sometimes. exactly. So, Exilia, would you like to say what your pick was? Yep. So, mine is Vacancy. This is a movie that Rowan and I uh, saw in the theater twice. And in my humble opinion, I think it's pretty underrated, to be honest. And I picked... Uh, I don't know Spanish, so I can't say the Spanish name of it, but I picked Kidnap uh, from two, I don't know when it's from, 2010 maybe? Yes, I think it said that. I think it's 2010, it's a subtitled movie, but it is a intense home invasion movie, so you can vote on the Facebook group. Uh, as well as we opened it up to Instagram. So all you have to do, do is go to our Instagram, go to that post, and just comment what movie you would like, and we'll add that with the votes, and we will see who wins. I know Exilia is very, very ahead of me right now. Sorry. Um, maybe people just feel bad that I lost last time. Maybe. Uh, so the only other couple, only couple other things I wanted to bring up. I did want to thank everyone. Uh, we got a message on our Facebook group, uh, the other day that our Facebook group reached 50 followers and fan likes. So I want to thank everyone. Thanks to the fans. Thanks to the fans. <laughs> we heard you. Thank you everyone that's been listening. And, and like, I really, I, I'm sure these guys will say something too, but I know like, from deep, from deep in my heart, I want to thank everyone. the The numbers have been very surprising. Like we're getting way more listens than I ever thought these were gonna get in a year. I'm mm-hmm. uh, getting them like within a week of the episodes coming out. Uh, we're getting lots of interaction with people. We love when you enter messages, Instagram stories, Instagram stories. Everyone's been sharing on Instagram. Um, make sure Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anything social media, it slays podcasts. We're there. Follow us, you know, and interact with us because one of us will be responding because, uh, we don't have that much of lives. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to let us talk. Yeah, I, I'm no, I'm saying you, are you guys happy? Are you guys? <laughs> no, I hate it. <laughs> I thought maybe like two people would listen and we've only had two episodes out. I'm very surprised that uh, more people ha- want to hear what we have to say or what Mike has to say. Shout out to all of chapters. <laughs> Mike's the celebrity. Yeah. He brings the star power. <laughs> uh so my last uh my last and i guess first kind of plug is uh this will be the first time we talk about we have launched our patreon at www.patreon.com slash it slays podcast we encourage everyone to check it out and uh join uh i don't know our temporary name i keep saying the horror hounds 
I feel like every podcast has to have like some sort of catchy name for people that follow it. So uh, there's three tiers set up. Uh, there's lots of great things there from uh, demanding we watch a movie and we have to do it to getting a shout out uh, to possibly getting like funny uh, exclusive video content from us and even shirts, t-shirts. So that's exciting. I don't even own a t-shirt. Well, I own a t-shirt, just not a It Slays Podcast t-shirt. So yeah, check that out uh, if you'd like to join us on Patreon. And last but not least, I say we end it and let everyone know what the next review will be. Why don't we let Mike do it? Because he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> just Mike, Mike say no because I know he does not remember. Just kidding. <laughs> it's okay, Mike. We're, <laughs> this is a casual... Co- this is a casual conversation. Yeah, not academic, not structured. <laughs> you go ahead. I always say it. Okay, I'll say it. So we are going to be reviewing the ton, lots of love for the man. And oddly, I keep saying a lot of horror podcasts revere him. Uh, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Number two from my uh, top five list. Yeah, number second, two from Exilia's top five Exilia. list. Very interested to get into that and, uh, you know, see what uh, what he's going to rate on the nay, yay, or slay scale. But I feel like we don't want to take up too much of your time. So we will end it there for now. Uh, we can't wait to get back to you uh, the week after this with our uh, bo- with our bonus review. And yeah, just keep interacting with you. So uh, as always, thank you for listening. I am Rowan. This is Mike saying love you all. Thank you. Bye. And so long. Bye.